chapter two of tom and some other girls by mrs george de horn vesey this librivox recording is in the public domain what rhoda thought father mother and brother looked at rhoda and felt a pardonable pride in her appearance her white evening frock showed off the fair complexion and golden locks and she carried herself with an erect fearless mien which made a pleasant contrast to the stooping backs and shambling gait of most growing girls if she were not regularly pretty her air of assurance forced onlookers to think so despite their better judgment and there was about her a breezy atmosphere of health and youth she looked from one to the other of the watching faces and smiled in a good-humoured tolerant manner which showed a dimple in the round cheek hatching mischief she cried nodding her head sagely the way in which your voices ceased as i entered the room was highly suspicious never mind i'll go to bed soon and then you can talk at your ease it is awkward when birthdays are drawing near chain bracelets are very nice with turquoises set here and there and i rather like that new edition of shakespeare with a lot of dear little books fitted into a case i don't object to brooches either or ornaments for my room but strange to say we were not thinking of giving you anything we were talking of a much more serious consideration than a birthday we were talking of your future education said mr chester solemnly he spoke so impressively and with such very large capitals to the last two words that rhoda was startled into attention and turned her eyes upon him in wonder my future education why what do you what am i going to do we have been considering the advisability of sending you to school you are nearly sixteen and have been educated at home all your life and now that fraulein cannot return i feel strongly that it would be for your good to spend a couple of years at school among girls of your own age your mother naturally dreads the parting and fears that you would be unhappy but harold thinks that you would enjoy the experience what is your own impression do you dislike the idea or feel inclined towards it rhoda meditated and her mother watched her with wistful eyes at the first mention of the word school the girl had started with surprise and her eyes had looked wide and puzzled but now as she stood deliberating it was not dismay but rather pleasure and excitement that showed in her face the eyes gleamed complacently the dimple dipped the fair head tilted itself and rhoda said slowly i think i should like it it, it would be a change alas for mrs chester and alas for every mother in that sharp moment when she realizes that the nestling which she has been keeping so safe and warm is already beginning to find the nest too narrow for its ambitions and is longing to fly away into the big wide world 
two salt tears splashed on to the satin gown but no one saw them for the girl was engrossed in her own feelings while mr chester was saying brightly that's my brave girl i knew you would be no coward harold watched his sister with mingled pity and amusement they'll take it out of her they'll take it out of her poor little roe won't she hate it and won't it do her good he said to himself shrewdly and after the first i shouldn't wonder if she became a prime favourite rhoda seated herself on a crimson plush chair and folded her hands on her knees in an attitude of expectation she was an impetuous young person and could brook no delay when once her interest was aroused school having been mentioned as a possibility of the future it became imperative to settle the matter off-hand which school when who would take her what would she have to buy what were the rules when were the holidays how long would they be where would she spend them one question succeeded another in breathless succession making mr chester smile with indulgent amusement my dear child how can i tell so far it is only a suggestion nothing is settled we have not even thought of one school before another if she goes at all i should like her to go to miss moresby's at bournemouth said mrs chester quickly she only takes ten girls and i'm told it is just like a home hot bottles in all the beds and beef tea at eleven mother cried rhoda in a tone of deep reproach her eyes flashed and she drew herself up proudly no indeed if i go at all i will do the thing properly and go to a real school and not a hot-house i don't want their old beef tea and bottles i want to go to a nice big sporty school where they treat you like boys and not young ladies and put you on your honour and don't bind you down by a hundred sickening little rules i want to go to she drew a long breath and glanced at her mother as if bracing herself to meet opposition to hurst manor there i've read about it in magazines and ella mason had a cousin who had been there and she said it was simply mag she was a head girl and ruled the house and came out first in the games and she said she never had such sport in her life and found the holidays quite fearfully flat and stale in comparison you don't become head girl all at once interposed harold dryly while mrs chester gave another sob at the idea that home could ever be looked upon in so sad a light hurst manor she repeated vaguely that's a strange name i never heard of the place before what do you know about it that makes you want to go darling are you quite sure it is nice and what is the headmistress like and how many young le girls does she take not too many i hope for i can't see how they can be properly looked after when there are more than twenty or thirty i've heard terrible stories of delicacy for life arising from neglect you remember poor dear evie vane her glands swelled and nobody noticed and my glands never swell 
they know better over two hundred girls mother but they are divided into different houses with a staff of teachers in charge of each so there's no fear of being neglected and it's much more fun than living in a crowd i'm tired of talking to the same people over and over again and should love a variety among the hundred girls one would be sure to find one or two whom one could really like harold laughed again a sleepy laugh which brought a flash into his sister's eyes that was the worst of harold he was so superior he never argued nor contradicted but he had a way of smiling to himself of throwing back his head and half shutting his eyes which made rhoda feel as if throwing cushions at him would be the only adequate relief to her feelings she glared at him for a moment and then turned her back on him in a marked manner and addressed herself to her father you will write to miss bruce at once won't you father and arrange for me to go at the beginning of the term i will write for particulars or better still your mother and i will go down to see the place for ourselves i should like you to go to the school you fancy if it can be arranged and i suppose this is as good as any better rhoda declared rapturously a thousand times better ella mason said so and she knows because her cousin's sisters have all been at different schools one at cheltenham one at st andrews and one at wycombe and she declares that hurst beats them all it must be so since it has adopted all the good ideas and abandoned the bad she went on with a rambling statement which seemed to imply that miss bruce had been in turn sole proprietor of each of these well-known schools before abandoning them in favour of her new establishment that hurst manor buildings had been recently erected at vast expense to provide every possible convenience for the pupils and at the same time was a nobleman's seat of venerable interest that sports and games formed the chief interest of the pupils lessons being relegated to an appropriate secondary position while astonishing to relate the honours in all university examinations fell to hurst girls and every woman who had made a name for herself had graduated from its ranks she detailed these interesting items of information with sublime assurance and when harold mildly pointed out inconsistencies retorted scornfully that she supposed she might be allowed to know since ellen's cousin had said so and she had been there and seen for herself mrs chester supported her by murmurs of assent and little warning frowns to her son which in dumb language signified that he was to be a good boy and not aggravate his sister and mr chester put his arm round her waist and looked down at her half smiling half pitiful the pitiful expression grew and became so marked that the girl gazed at him in surprise why did he look so sorry was he already feeling the blank which her absence would leave did he fear that she would be homesick and regret her hasty decision she stared into his face with her bright blue eyes and her father gazed back noting the firm chin the arched brows the characteristic tilt of the head this overweening confidence of youth 
he was asking himself earnestly was it altogether a misfortune or but raw material out of which great things were to be made in the future was it not better to go forth to meet life's battle with a light heart and fearless tread than trembling and full of doubt surely it was better and yet his heart was sore for the girl as the heart of a leader must be sore when he sends his soldiers to the front knowing that no victory is won without a cost no fight without a scar something very like a tear glittered in the father's eye and at the sight rhoda's face softened into a charming tenderness she snuggled her head into his neck and rubbed her soft cheeks against his murmuring absurd little sentences of endearment as to a child of two years whose pet is it then whose own precious the nicest old sweet in the world mr chester pushed the girl aside and put on a frown of portentous ferocity to conceal the delight with which her demonstration had in reality filled him he loved to feel the sweep of the crisp locks the touch of the soft cheek he even appreciated if truth must be told being addressed as a precious but wild horses would not have induced him to confess as much and he made haste to leave the room with harold lest perchance any sign of his real feelings might betray themselves to the sharp feminine eye left alone with her mother rhoda clasped her hands behind her back and paced slowly up and down it was a relief after all to be rid of the men and be able to talk things over with a feminine hearer who never brought forward inconvenient quibbles who accepted statements as facts as of course they were and agreed to propositions in a quiet reasonable manner rhoda thought out several important matters in that march to and fro and announced the result in a decisive manner i must have a complete new outfit i don't believe in taking half-worn things you can send them away to that poor clergyman in ireland with the five daughters geraldine isn't it who fits my clothes well geraldine shall have my blue silk and the fawn jacket and the blouses and the grey dress if the armholes stick into her as much as they do into me she will wish i had never been invented she can have my best hat too if she wants it i hate it and at hurst you never wear anything but sailors with the school colours there is a blue house and a pink and a green and a yellow and a red that's the way they arrange in all big schools i only hope and pray it won't be my fate to be yellow or what an image i'll look other things being equal mum dear kindly say you think the blue house would be best for my health and morals i want to live in you understand not out that's one point i have quite decided in what dearest out of what i don't understand what you mean in school itself there are three houses in the school building and three in the grounds and of course if you live out you have ten minutes walk over to classes whatever the weather may be i should object to shivering across the first thing in the morning 
in rain and snow and getting all splashed and blown no one can call me a coddle but i do like comfort and it would be a dreadful fag i should think so indeed most risky i wouldn't hear of it for you if you go at all you must live in and have a comfortable room with a fire in cold weather oh well i don't know if you can expect that we mustn't be too exacting you will look after my clothes at once mother won't you for there will be so much to get i want things nice you know i should like the girls to see that i had decent belongings i love having all the little things complete and dainty i think girls ought to be particular about them it's a sign of refinement i can't endure shabby things round me of course not darling and there's no reason why you should write down a list of what you want so that we shan't forget anything when we are in town but oh dear me i don't know how shall i live when you have gone i shall break my heart without you and mrs chester's tears once more rolled down her cheeks it seemed to her at this moment that the greatest trouble which her happy life had known was this projected parting from her beloved daughter End of chapter 2